0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive Podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Thanks for joining us in our latest episode. And this episode today is going to be an interesting one because we, at Lace Partners, uh, like to talk to lots of different people from within the HR profession, and particularly when they have interesting things to say, and they've, they've perhaps created a piece of content, or they've produced a white paper or research or, or stuff like that. And today's guest is a chief people officer who wrote an interesting article or Pulse article on LinkedIn and we thought we'd have a chat with her about it. I'm going to introduce her in a second but before I do my partner in crime Mr Chris Horton is here with me. How are you doing sir? I'm good Chris Howard how are you? Not too bad not too bad enjoying the fact that spring seems to have finally sprung and we're actually getting some nice weather so that's
1: all good. Always sunny Chris always sunny
0: always sunny and let's introduce our guest and our guest is aisha knights and she works for a company called lmax Aisha, how are you doing
2: i'm really well thank you thanks for having me on
0: no, it's great to have you on. It's great to have you on. So listen, let's uh, let's delve straight into it. But before we do that, actually, I'm saying delve straight into it and then actually not delving into it at all, which is very Chris Howard sort of thing to do. But before we get delve into the actual piece that you wrote, the piece is called Leading Through Uncertain Times. And what we'll do is we'll put in the show notes when we release the, uh, the podcast, we'll put a note, obviously, and link to the actual piece itself. Can you just tell our lovely listeners, a little bit about yourself and your background, where you've been and what you've done, and then also a little bit about LMAX as well, please.
2: Okay, so as you you kindly introduced me at the top of the hour, in terms of my background in the HR space, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, if I'm honest with you. My career, gosh, spans decades now, and Basically, I've worked in many different types of organizations from fast-moving consumer goods to PR side of things, marketing, um, and these are just the industries, professional services, banking, financial services, now fintech, which is where I am at LMAX Group, retail, you know, all sorts, commercial properties. So, I'm, my career has really spanned across quite a number of industries over the years. And, you know, in terms of my journey into HR, it was just out of interest of wanting to be useful to people, you know, and getting involved in, you know, I think a lot of HR people have this, they kind of stumble on it by accident, just getting involved in different initiatives or, you know, being the one that wants to train people. If I think back to my days, you know, back at McDonald's, for example, I wanted to help train people and then I was just given that responsibility quite young actually, you know, and I was you know said, do you want to do this training job for the whole of the West End? And of course I said yes at the time, you know. So it's been a bit of a journey till, till today in terms of where I am now. At the moment, I'm currently Chief People Officer at LMAX Group. And what LMAX Group is, is basically um, an operator of currency and cryptocurrency exchanges, as well as we have you know, we do with commodities as well, globally, global organization. And you know we're a little bit of an upstart in the world of financial services, a lot of technology focus, and we are more B2B, which is why you may never have heard of LMAX Group. We focus on institutions for the most part, and and some of you know some of our clients are the biggest banks in the world, some of the biggest trading firms as well. You know we either partner with or where we supply liquidity to. So that's Elmax Group, and what that means is it's a, it's, a, it's a very exciting space of you know, fintech and capital markets. So while in my history, i worked at big financial services such as Barclays at LMAX Group. It's a lot more, I guess, it's different. It's a lot more exciting. There's a lot to build. The people are really enthusiastic about the change for the most part. So I'm really enjoying this role at the moment. And I've been in role just coming up to just under 18 months at the moment so i started at the tail end of 2021 so that's what i'm doing at the moment at lmax group really enjoying it enjoy the team etc yeah and that's like, and i've given you the kind of background
1: on my history as well fantastic thanks Aisha. so Super interesting to hear about Elmax Group and fintech, and and you know how it's a. I think you called it an upstart. You know, a, you know yeah. a stage a stage of startup, which is fantastic. Interested in really delving into the leading through uncertain times, and mm-hmm. and just thinking about you know where you are, and and I'm sure with the fintech company, there's lots of you know rapid pace and different things. What are the what are the key things that that you think are crucial to lead through uncertain times?
2: Well, I I tried to wrap it up in the article that I put together on LinkedIn and just to kind of go back to why that came to mind in the first place. So there's that landscape of fast changing, fast paced business, scale up actually. So we've moved past the startup stage, we're in scale up mode, you know, but then you've got the market, right? You've got what's going on. You know, if we, you know, we've got the crypto exposure we've got of our business, which actually was We were fine through that whole FTX kind of journey, all of that. You've got the Ukraine war, things that have just happened. Are we having a recession? Are we not having a recession? Lots of these things actually affect the people in an organization, because for some companies, as you've seen, some of the bigger techs as well, they've actually shed lots of employees during the time. So it is an uncertain time. And I guess change is as good as the rest. It's... We're always going through uncertain times, but I think in the last, I think I guess, three years it's been quite unprecedented if you think of the fallout from COVID. So with all of that in mind, I, I was just thinking, what are the things that I would advise leaders in uncertain times? What can you do? How can you reassure people or how can you not reassure people? So one of the big things is communication. You know, one of the things that happens in leadership is we become sometimes like a bubble. We... You know, have lots of conversations between each other, between department heads, but how are we cascading that throughout the business? Making sure that there are the right channels, making sure that line managers understand, you know, where we're going as a business, the strategy, what to say, are we on target, are we not? These types of questions. We need to have a story because, as I kind of alluded to in the article that I wrote, if you don't have a story, people just make up a story from what they've kind of heard on the grapevine and that's not oftentimes that's not true it's just what someone's alluded from one conversation or hearing the tail end of something so that's one there's communication another big one is just checking in how people are just well being how are how you know you you, we mustn't assume that everyone's fine just because they're not speaking up or, or create spaces for people to speak up if they're feeling uncertain or you know are our jobs safe or what's happening in the market are we having redundancies these kind of things we might not immediately know the answer but we should just try and push people to those resources that we have or just check in and just say just ask people if they're fine if they're okay I can go through all the, the main five points so the, the next one I would say is around development of yourself, your professional development, training. If there's ever a time to retrain or do that course you've been wanting to do or kind of find time to get that accreditation that you've been saying oh, all these years I've been trying to get, it's it's during an uncertain time because we we don't know what what's going to happen tomorrow, right? You never know. Who knew the pandemic was going to come along and we're all going to work from home at that point in time, right? So, yeah. It's always good to keep your professional development up. It actually, I think, is a good motivator as well. It kind of gets your mind away from the kind of day-to-day grind. You set out some time and go into that piece of theory or that piece of training that, like I said, you may have been putting off. The next bit, I would say, we've got to try to be resilient, right? Things are not going to be perfect all the time. I think the well-being and resilience work together. Because if you're looking after your well-being and your mental health, you can probably be a bit more resilient. And resilience comes into the team coming together and really supporting each other in those times, those kind of challenging times. As a leader, it's really incumbent on us to encourage that, encourage that team building, encourage that kind of those touch points together, just linking. Connect with people on a human level. I think that gains that helps people gain resilience as a team and as, in, as an individual. And, and lastly, as a leader, as well, take the time to look, at, look after yourself. So oftentimes we're too, so busy, and I'm guilty of it very much so, thinking about everybody else, thinking about, right, what are we going to do about this issue? Let's talk to the team about this talking to individuals, trying to make sure they're okay, that we can actually burn out quite easily. And I'll just, from a HR standpoint, if you look at the last couple of years, you know, one of the things I've heard from a lot of HR professionals is that burnout. You know, Mm -hmm. we are being called on more. We are becoming more of a strategic partner. We, We should be a strategic partner in the business and definitely have a seat at the exec table. That brings with it a lot of demand, a lot of responsibility, and you can... Be a little bit burned out sometimes. So I'll I say in specifically for HR teams, take the time, step away, understand what you're doing. One of the one of the exercises I've gone through with my team actually at the beginning of this year, we talked about what we can't control and what we can control, right? Because the last few years we've had a lot of we can't con- we could not control furlough really, could we couldn't control you know a war going on somewhere in the world that's affected the most of like the world, right? We could you can't control that. But you can control the projects you're going to deliver and what you're going to commit to in the year. So that's one of the things at the top of the year we did. We looked at all our projects and said, right, what can we really commit to? What can we kind of leave open? So we, we have a kind of 60, 40 or 80, 20, as in most of the stuff we're doing, as in projects we know and we've committed and the rest of it. Is kind of open because we know we'll get demands from the business.
0: We know things will change. We're going to have to be flexible, etc. I want to talk about communication in a second. Sure. That that what you can control and what you can't control. How easy has it been from you and from what you've seen with other leaders? How easy is it for people to adopt that mindset?
2: It's not easy. That's the answer. The simple answer. It's not easy. It's a culture that you you have to really encourage and remind. So as I said, we talked about it at the top of the year, but we've since had like a half day off site to now go through some of those things. Say, okay, this is what we've said. This is what we're now going to look at. This is what we're going to stop, or this is what we're going to delay for a few months because of whatever's happening in the business. So it's always revisiting that. But also the, the reason you want to do that, it kind of, think of what are we committing to and what can we kind of leave open is just so people have a, they just have some control over their working lives as well. I mean, we spend a lot of time at work, most of us, you know, so we want to spend time feeling that we're empowered a little bit and it's not just, things are not just being done to us, you know, and I feel, At least in the HR space, a lot of what has been happening, while for HR it's good because we're being leaned on more, to an extent it's kind of been done to us. We're kind of having to react to, you know, what's happening in the world. We're not having enough time to kind of really plan and, and really be thoughtful about what we roll out and what we, you know, partner with the business on.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. So let's uh, let's del- delve down into some of the individual sections, mm-hmm. if that's all right. And let's start with that's right at the top with that communications bit, because can I just get you to reflect on your own experiences, both at LMAX Group, but then also maybe previous roles, or even when you've been at events and talked to other HR peers and, and things like that. So just some advice that you can give to our listeners in terms of that communications piece how do you make sure that you're delivering on that regular dialogue and the importance of that
2: get to know your internal comms team if you don't have one hire one (laughs) (laughs) i say that because coming from a scale-up business they might you might not always have those positions in place right but if it's a larger organization they they usually of fame with a lot of the communications i would say you need to communicate up i need to communicate across the business as well. So for our HR folk, who I assume will be the, the listening, I guess the audience for this, we can't kind of sit on the sidelines and wait for things to happen. Business, If I speak specifically on business partner, you actually have to be in the business and listen, understand what people are saying, understand the concerns so they can be escalated, but also understand where the leadership is going, where the core of the business, is it linked to the strategy? Helping people to understand you know, the direction the business is moving in also comes from us as a, as a HR function, having those conversations. So there's that. There's also digital communications, as we know, the kind of internal blogs, internal emails, intranet, you know, all the, uh, I guess, communication tools that you have now, the Slacks and what have you, Teams, Chats, all of those serve their place towards communication. And also making sure that we kind of balance the two. So where what I've seen sometimes is people, some companies are really heavy on the electronic email, touch point communication, right? Or coming from your intranet. But when it comes to the verbal stuff or the team town halls you still need those you still need the kind of face-to-face town halls team meetings to just cascade those messages and also capture any feedback as well one of the things that I think I could offer are ask me anything sessions so that's worked well in not just company I'm in previous one at I was at TJX Group Massive you would have heard of (laughs) HomeSense TK Maxx Massive Retailer one of the things we did was have just an open session where people could just ask anything, mm. you know, ask me anything. And that's more of a leadership thing. So you, you know, you have people in a room or, or focus group sessions as well. That's worked really well in terms of communications. And it comes out of uh, not necessarily specifically one part of communication. You might have an initiative, let's say it's on culture and values and you go out or DEI and you go out and talk to people and then things come out of that as well in terms of communication. So I will just say, Try to balance the non-face-to-face and face-to-face
1: communications. So the next area, I should follows on really well from communication, and that's wellbeing. We've seen obviously wellbeing become a much bigger topic, a much bigger priority. I think people have have become much more conscious conscious of wellbeing. I'm interested in your take on that, and I think you have touched on that both from you know, looking at teams, looking at others, but also you, from your your own perspective as well.
2: I think we're on a journey in in the space of people management, of just humanizing and normalizing what happens. Like I said before, we spend a lot of time at work. There's no point trying to be someone that's so different from who you are in the workspace. So there's a lot to be said about trying to. We can't always, but you have to try to bring yourself to work because that causes issues with well-being, right? If you feel you can't be yourself or you can't show up as who you are, then you're constantly masking you know, obviously there are issues there where some individuals, they might not be psychologically safe enough. But I think it's up to us as as a business or so business leaders to create that psychologically safe environment where people can say, Do you know what, today I'm not, you know, not a great day. We've got tools such as Plum. So in our company, we use Plum, which is our wellbeing platform where there's access to. It's not just kind of an EAP number. You've actually got access to um, EAPs, an employer assistance provider, you've actually got, you know, access to counsellors or maybe your healthcare, your private health care has more access to or quicker access to GPs and things like Babylon and Bupa. So just making people aware that actually we've got these things in place or, or you know, I think I, I categorised it as Annie, are you okay? Like the Michael Jackson song, you know, you okay? <laughs> yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's just asking if people are okay or, or using the hybrid working model, which I think actually has helped in terms of well-being for a lot of people, because some of those days that some individual, let's say they're, they're going through an episode that, you know, they're, they're not going to be the best person to be around other people. They just need a day working from home, where they can be away, where they're not feeling overwhelmed, sometimes we should, you know, be supporting that as leaders, help people to be able to show up their best when they're in the vicinity of other people. You know, well-being kind of goes many ways. There's also the um, keeping yourself healthy, encouraging that, encouraging kind of, not just kind of, when, when we have engagement events, not just it being always around food, you know. One of the things we do, for example, at LMAX Group, is we have lots of kind of sports challenges. Kind of three peaks and things like that. People will do marathons, trying to kind of support those initiatives as well. So because that all leads into well-being, your health as well. So it's a number of things, but overall, just having that culture where people feel safe enough to talk about their well-being. I think for me, that would be number one: the safety of it.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good point, actually, and how how comfortable it is one of the things I was just thinking as you were talking about that, as you and Chris were talking about the wellbeing side. And a question I just wrote down is how much of this responsibility needs to sit with HR versus line managers and particularly when you think about the communications piece because it's all very well setting up a wonderful system like you talked about plum the system well, that you yeah. guys use and then rolling that out but yeah. six months later nobody's using it because nobody's the line manager isn't communicating it or I mean there's there's got to be that balance doesn't it because you can't just have HR constantly look guys we've just in, we've just delivered this new tech for you so you can start using it. and then if HR is the one that's having to constantly reinforce it, there has to be that balance we have this 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 uh, system that we, you can use as an example or do uh, Annie the Annie are you okay? yeah it's it's HR being able to do it, but it's actually line managers as well, isn't it?
2: I no I totally agree with you. I mean it depends on a couple of things. the maturity of the business, the capability of said line managers and if they understand their impact, so there's a lot about impact, and and if if a company is quite young in that journey, and they don't have or the managers haven't been given the tools, it's it is a kind of people management job to kind of train them and say, hey, you're our like first line of defence. That's how I that's how I categorise it. Like line managers are our first line of defence in HR. They have to kind of be out there and be the ambassadors, and they set the culture really. You know, we come up with a bunch of theory, kind of not on our own anymore. It used to be, but not on our own with the business. But I, as you say, Chris, like ideally managers have to or they should support us in that. Now, where we're able to encourage them is. You know, there are ER issues or, you know, they, they they'll say, oh, there's this particular individual and really partner with the line managers. There's a particular individual, you know, they're not working, they're not as productive as they used to be. You know, it's that kind of investigation. OK, but what's going on? Have you asked certain questions? What's going on with the, with the individual in their life? Are they going through a life stage, yep. you know? That, that might mean you need to support them a bit more, or you need to direct them to these tools. So I think we have to do a job of reminding, but you're absolutely right. If the line managers aren't taking it on board, then it's it's kind of just sits there in a corner. while well, I definitely try and encourage is that liaison with the line managers. And, and I would say in not so much 10 years ago, but I think in later years, in the latter years, we actually get more line managers Reaching out for support for help because they understand that this is actually expected of them now a lot more. Those who are kind of clued up and might you know troll LinkedIn every now and again, they they kind of see the trends right. Because for example, LinkedIn you've got the kind of top five trends that comes up in the corner, the news pieces. You know everybody kind of reads that. Most people tend to kind of have a look or see. Oh, this is trending. Oh, hybrid working today. Oh, next next week is four day week or whatever it is at the, at the time. They know there's more expected of them. And I think for line managers, for some of them, there's there's a bit of anxiety around that. Some of them don't actually, they don't know, they're not sure what to say. So then we get a lot of outreach from that. What should we be saying? What should we, you know, doing? And then we can use that to signpost some of the resources, those kind of conversations and weave it in.
1: I think that creates a really natural segue into the the next topic, which is around professional development. So you know so so the discussion we were just having uh, about well-being and line managers and then them reaching out to develop extra skills, you brought up a great point earlier, you know now is the time to skill or reskill. um so so I'm interested in your your point of view, Aisha.
2: Personally, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always like every few years I'm always doing either some course something to upskill my you know skill set. so that's I lead from that kind of learning and I encourage anyone that works with me, guys we've got to, you know what are you learning this year what are you what qualification are you gaining? you know what course are you doing? so for me, l- learning is lifelong for blind managers, if we talk about that specifically, it's about getting them to understand the value of Know supporting someone to just take maybe it's half a day a week or you know for eight weeks or something like that so they can learn a new skill. Getting them to understand that if you can sacrifice this time for your team, you'll have a lot more skills, and then there'll be less reliance on oh, we need to hire somebody to now bring this skill into the business. That's the kind of positive part of it. At the same time, not everybody wants to be doing a course, you know, or wants to be upskilling themselves. Obviously, there's continuous professional develop- development or CPD for professionals. A lot of professional people kind of, we have to kind of do it, but it's about, I think, hearts and minds on that. People need to understand what the value is for them. What's in it? There's always the what's in it for me. We well, guess what's in it for the business, but for the individual kind of what's in it for me? What am I going to get from it? And and you do get some people, they, they prefer to learn on the job or they've gone to a point in their career and they're like, oh, do I really need to do anything new? But again, to just to as a reminder, with this uncertain landscape, it's always good to try and learn a new skill to do something different. Or or even just kind of people pivot in career as well. That's I think one of the good things about Elmax group, if I can just what I found, if I can just talk about that, is it's very much a learning culture. People, you know, have moved around different parts of the business. They'll start in customer services. Maybe they move to sales. Maybe they decide they want to do something else. They don't want to be an accountant anymore. They want to go and do corporate development. There's so many examples. And maybe that's because of the type of business, because it's a scale up. We're, we're more open to that. But that really, what that does, it, it makes people kind of really open to those possibilities, which is great for business. So it's always good to encourage people to do that, whether on the job or I want to learn this course, so I can go and do this new skill. It really adds to a business. And I, I would also say to the individual, just being interested to stick around, you know, to retain talent. That's kind of
0: incumbent on us to do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, that culture piece is really, really important because what it also does is it fosters innovation as well, doesn't it? When yeah. you've got a business and you're able to just look at the skills of the individual and be able to people, those skills that can be applied maybe elsewhere. I don't want to do that. I want to move. You're going to keep hold of people. You're going to encourage people to be more innovative, to, to think slightly differently. And I just want to move us on to our next section, or one of the final sections that you talked about, which is around resilience. And in the piece that you wrote, you talked about you know, driving a culture of resilience. So can you just can we just touch on that a little bit? And can I just get you to just kind of give us your thoughts there? because the first thing I always think of is, can you actually teach that? But I guess it's a similar question because it's a soft factor thing. How do you yeah. teach innovation? Well, a lot of it depends on the culture and the, the environment culture. that exists.
2: I think resilience starts from feeling that you're in really it together. That's why so for for resilient is it's really important for the team to link up so whatever team you're in you all lean on each other right because where there's a blame culture it's hard to be resilient because there's always finger pointing like oh this person did that wrong ultimately if we're in uncertain times things may go wrong people may be stressed of course they will be <laughs> they might make a mistake but if they know they're in an environment where actually if something happens someone's got my back everyone's going to come together and we'll like work through this together it does foster a culture of resilience and then people Mm. don't feel so alone or kind of oh I've done this wrong and I'm out there I always talk about you know team there's no kind of if something goes awry for example in people and culture the way we talk about in our team is it's us we need to fix it it's never oh they did something wrong we or how could we have supported someone to have been better? It's always about, so then you you get the strength of the team, you get the strength of skills, you get the strength of the support, you know, you get a united front so that people won't feel exposed. I think a lot of resilience is about not feeling exposed and on your own, you know, and, and one of the Things we talk about a lot in um, my current organisation, or I've heard a lot, because you know, being there, like I said, just under eighteen months, is the concept of fail fast. If a business is used to, const- like you said, innovation, right, constantly changing, improving, you know, fail fast. Don't you know? Don't worry about it. You Made a mistake? Okay, we learn from it. We move on. That creates resilience. So you can take some hard knocks, but you'll come out of it stronger. Right? Because you're not feeling on your own. We're doing things together. No business is perfect. Nobody is perfect. But if we have those kind of key principles and we remember, if there is a, a mistake, as long as we work together towards it, you know, we'll be all the better for making that mistake because we're going to learn from it and we won't make the same mistakes
0: again. No, that's absolutely fantastic. And that has led us just on to the edge of today's podcast. So uh, it's been absolutely fantastic listening in to some of your thoughts around, you know, leadership in uncertain times. I think it was certainly our listeners will find it really, really valuable. So Aisha, thank you very much for your words of wisdom and the blog piece as well, which, as I said, we will put that in the show notes so people can have a little read of your thoughts there as well.
2: You're so welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's gone really quickly. I know. They (laughs) always
0: do. They always do. As always, Mr. Horn, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Aisha. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great one. Of course, you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. Or if you want to read some of the stuff that we've put together, we've got white papers, podcasts, we do video, we run events every once in a while. So you can check us out on uh, lacepartners.co.uk forward slash insights. And then you'll get access to all of our different back catalogue of our thinkings from anything from talent to employee experience. Um, we've got leadership, we've got uh, strategy, there's a people strategy, whole, whole gamut different bits of content. But once again thank you very much to Chris and Aisha for joining me and hopefully we will see you next time on the HR On the Effects podcast. Bye bye.